Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And the last time we spoke, Unai Emery was still manager of Arsenal. A lot has happened since then. And probably by the time you're listening to this, Mikel Arteta will have been confirmed as the new Arsenal manager. Now, Jason, how do you feel about how the club have gone about replacing Unai Emery and about who that replacement is going to be? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that it's been a very good evening for a while now. Um, it's It was a long time overdue. I find it very strange that that happened, that sacking, when it did. I think it should have happened two weeks before, during that international break. Um, I don't know why we needed to lose the Europa League game in order for, for, for that to break the camera's the straw to break the camera's back. Um, and we could have probably got Jose Mourinho at that time if we really wanted him. And it sounds like it was another mistake on Arsenal's part. However, I, you know, throughout the, the years how I've spoken about Emery, um, not highly in terms of his management style at Arsenal. Um, he had to go. He'd lost the dressing room. He'd lost the fans. He'd lost the, the, the media. And we know how tough it is when you, lo- when you lose. You know, the people who ultimately create that commercial value for the club and therefore pay your wages um, as a manager. Um, so absolutely the right way to go. You know, I can't, con- you know, I, I have fueled it in a way, you know, the, the teasing. Um, but that is not the reason he goes, you know, any manager, any player gets teasing. It was like the Shaka incident that it went beyond teasing. It became bullying. Think about how many times Cristiano Ronaldo has been ridiculed for his appearance or his, um, you know, you know, his, his, um, his style, for example, or Lionel Messi, for example, or Harry Kane for the way he speaks. You know, a lot of people um, are subject to, to abuse. So when publications such as Talksport, well, such as Talksport, started to say, "Oh, we feel very uncomfortable with how Arsenal fans are treating you and I, Emery," I don't, and and the media, I don't think it's any different to a lot of what I've seen. Obviously, it's not right, um, and it shouldn't have got to that place because it it was so bad for the reputation of Arsenal Football Club the implications of hammering Emery, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. And it detracted. And, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to be a hypocrite or two faced, but I wish him the best of luck. He's a he's a man after all. He's, he's human. Um, he made a lot of mistakes professionally, uh, maybe personally as well with relationships. I don't know at the club. Um, I'm sure he'll find a goal, uh, a goal, a, uh, a club going forward. Hopefully he finds a goal while he's at a club, um, which he clearly didn't with us. Um, and then moving on to, to Freddie Lindbergh's interim, I think it was, it made sense he for a, to be the caretaker in that immediate aftermath. Um, but what didn't make sense was to have no plan B whatsoever. And what it seemed like was they were riding it out to see if there are a couple of good results, which are not based on the skill of the management, they would give it to him um, for the cheap option. They clearly realised it Freddie Lindbergh has no managerial experience at all. Um, you know, mostly youth coaching. And and it showed that we, in terms of the way we were playing, it showed inexperience, um, even more so than the Emery era. They were just as confused. Um, it can't have helped, um, you know, not having a full team, having staff, having a, um, having to bring Per Mertzsacker up from his role. And I understand that, but a club, a club is a business, and a business as big as Arsenal should have 
a contingency plan in place when they sack one position. Because the whole point of when we hired Emery and, you know, Ivan Gazidis heralded this new catalyst for change um, was that it would take the power away from the manager. After all those years of Arsene Wenger being central to everything, you would have a head of transfers. You would have this kind of scouting network and, and the, the manager would be a coach to coach the team tactically. And if he had to leave, then you could bring someone in to replace him. Um, and it, that clearly hadn't worked because it all seems to be crumbling behind the scenes. Um, again, Freddie was not the right man. You know, he did. He he's a Arsenal legend, but he doesn't have. He just didn't have that that external charisma and passion that we wanted to see. I think we wanted to see someone who was a bit more more vocal, more in touch. You know, he was crossing his arms. The body language wasn't quite right. Um, and it's a shame. You want to see that bounce back and you want to see what's happened with Everton under Duncan Ferguson. Unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be and he'll get a new job under a new setup. Um, but that's when we come to Mikel Arteta because, you know, he came to Arsenal at the latter stage of his career. He wasn't the best player in the team, but uh, he played with pride. He was always respectful. I never heard a bad, bad word about him or him say a bad word about anyone throughout his time at the club. He he obviously really enjoyed his time in London and, and kind of captaining us as well. Um, he was a fan favourite. He, he he was fading a little bit at the end, but that happens at the end of your career. And, he, and it's no coincidence that he was snapped up by City and that has coincided with them breaking the biggest records in English football history. Um, Pep Guardiola, the best manager in the world, you could say, or one of the most successful um, historically, has said that he's one of the masterminds behind their success, behind the scenes, you know, taking the training sessions, um, having that tactical mind, being there as kind of a second set of eyes. And you always watch him and he's he's very neutral in his tone. He's always observing. Apparently he's always learning. Um, And it's a big, 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 big jump to go from a number two to a number one. We've seen it. It doesn't usually work a lot of the time um, when a number one gets sacked and number two goes in. But I think this is different. I think I think he's seen it from such a different angle. He's seen it from two of the greatest managers of all time, you could probably say, under Arsene Wenger um, and Pep Guardiola. And three, if you want to include David Moyes, if you're so inclined. Um, and and, and he's, he's worked hard for this, for an opportunity. And... It's a massive step to go from Manchester City to Arsenal in their current state. But it also means there's a challenge that it can't get much worse. Arsenal Football Club are not going down. We're not getting relegated. And I pray you can hold me down. You can hold me to this. Um, so the expectations are low. It's the best time for someone without a record to go in. And, and people remind me that, you know, Bruce, uh, I think it was George Graham and managed at Millwall. Um, I think one of our former managers was a programme editor at one point. Arsene Wenger was an unknown manager from Japan. So it just shows you don't need to be the biggest name. I also always go back to Leicester, who won the league a few years ago, and I don't think they'll win it this year, but they seem to be challenging. And it's not about the big names. It's about the style and about the commitment and the passion and sticking to a game plan. And it seems like Mikel Arteta from what we've heard, has that. But this will be his proof, and and, and he'll live or die by these decisions. I think 
this is not a move for now. This is a move for the long term. This guy is going to get at least three years. I mean, there's even if it goes terribly this year and we just avoid relegation, even if next year we're kind of languishing a mid-table, they've got to now put the team in place and and admit it and say, we are no longer, the arrogance that shouldn't be there anymore, we're no longer the best team in North London. We're no longer the best team in London. We're no longer the best team in England or even close or even competing in Europe. And we're building something for the future. This is our vision. This is Arsenal DNA which they say they've spelt out, but they haven't, because I've been, I've been researching and researching what are the Arsenal values, and I'm struggling to find a clear definition of what we stand for. I mean, I have an idea of what I think we stand for, that, that innovation um, and, and kind of giving the chance and youth, but, but I haven't seen it and I haven't heard the top brass talk about it. Um, and, you know, they need to build for the long term to, to get all the fans... Um, back on side. But I think I'm going slightly off and, and we can obviously touch upon that. Um, but as top line, I'm 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 not ecstatic because I am of you know the ilk I wanted an Allegri or an Ancelotti because I think they're big managers who could take Arsenal back to the top, um, win us things again. They've got proven records of that. However, we've seen with the Louis Van Gaal at United it doesn't necessarily work like that. Um so I'm hoping this other plan works and, and you know, to have someone who, who current fans are in touch with because he played for them. He knows what the values are. He's seen us win. He's made us win um, with Cups. You know, he won the FA Cup a couple of times with us. So, you know, we, 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 we're hoping. We have no evidence to base, to, base, to base upon what sort of style of play is it. You know, does he disagree with Pep? in some of the, the ways they play. Do you think maybe they're playing too much tick attack and maybe they need to be a bit more aggressive in points? We we don't know what that style is. Maybe he wants to carve it out on his own. Um, but you can only give a chance. Um, and at the moment, his reputation is, is at 100%. So let's see. It's exciting times, but it's, uh, it's nerve-wracking because it doesn't take... We know it doesn't take much to get this Arsenal faithful um, on someone's back. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me after a few losses if... If he does get the, the the hashtag Arteta out, which I believe is already trending, um, despite him not even taking um, the position yet, um, so we'll see. Is is my my short answer to to a long winded answer? Well, it's, it's well. First of all, I'm I'm glad that during that answer you said that uh, Arsenal are, are not the best team in North London. I'll have to make sure to uh, make a special clip of of you saying that to to keep on record, uh, but. One thing I thought was interesting was you said during that about how this is clearly an appointment for the long term, but then at the end there, you acknowledged that if results don't go well, it wouldn't take a lot for this Arsenal fan base to turn on him. And I'm wondering, do you think that he will be given the time that he needs? Because you saw with Arsene Wenger, who surely had more credit in the bank than any other manager with everything he'd achieved for you. But when the results weren't going well, the fans turned on him. Obviously, Unai Emery didn't even make it a season and a half in. Do you think that Arteta is going to be given the time he needs to to see that long-term project through? Because when you look at Arsenal at the moment, obviously things weren't going well under Unai Emery, but the results after he left suggested that there's deeper issues there. There's bigger problems. And at Manchester City, Arteta obviously was, was a number two, first of all, and was at a club where everything was was perfect. You know, there was nothing to worry about. All the investment was there. It was a settled squad, everyone pulling in the same direction. 
do you think his his lack of experience coupled with how much there is to do and probably change at Arsenal means that he might get off to a a slow start and that do you think this fan base is going to back him because we've we've seen them turn on other managers other players and are you worried that he won't be given the time that he will probably need to turn the ship around I think Mikel Arteta needs to be smart about his early decisions to get fans and the board on board. Um, as we saw with Emery, he kind of re, he took over a team that were, were kind of languishing. They, they had players going into the last years of their contract. Um, they had players who clearly weren't playing for the shirt at 100%. Um, and Emery took that over, played them again and again. Limburg didn't change much. Um, so I think in Mikel Arteta's uh, potential press conference tomorrow, it's really important to set out that vision. Um, Emery didn't do it well. I didn't understand a lot of what he said um, a year and a half ago. He needs to come out and talk about, you know, use almost use his inexperience to an advantage, saying, "Listen, I'm I'm taking a completely fresh perspective on this. I'm I've I've been looking at, you know, I've been getting my coaching badges. I've been looking at." At management from a theoretical perspective, kind of going back to basics. Um, and, you know, they, they do say you don't win anything from, with kids, but I think I've been reading a lot of different blogs um, and listening to a lot of different podcasts, and you kind of hear people talking about this project youth um, and about maybe just you know doing doing what these young guys at Dortmund did. They just gave young players a chance. The German team of uh, I believe it was 2010. They just threw out all the talented youngsters saw what stuck kind of and then started to mold it but gave gave the people that deserved a chance a chance and didn't rely on this the kind of old school icons um on a commercial level and arsenal obviously there will be that battle i'm sure between the boardroom um and the coaching staff regarding this and that's why they need to be aligned on that vision so early on i mean i was i was writing it down earlier on and what a project youth could look like. And I mean, this it would never happen this dramatic. But if I if I went in and if I was on FIFA, I mean I would go and I would go in and put Martinez in goal. I'd get a back four of Bellerin holding chambers and and probably it would have been Tierney, but probably Kalasnach at this stage. I'd get Gwendozi and Willock in the in the middle. Um I think Pepe's young enough to include Smith Rowe, Nelson, Martinelli up front and just and just reshape the future of Arsenal. Go for the players that are showing the passion. There's no point of playing Mesut Ozil anymore. He's not showing any passion. The fans aren't enjoying his performances. He's not contributing to, to, to the case. You know, Lacazette and Aubameyang, it's a shame. But I'm hearing that Aubameyang wants out. I'm hearing that half the squad want out. That could be the case. Arteta might be able to get them back on side. I looked at... Arteta's squad the last year he played for Arsenal, the last year of his football career. And there are four players in that squad um, that he uh, played with. So I actually believe it was Martinez, Chambers, Bellerin, um, and who was the other one? Uh, Meza Ozil. Meza Ozil. So he's got a big job to go in there with his old mates, basically, and say, right, I'm in charge now. You're in, you're out, and he needs to make those big decisions. And I think it, I think they need to give some of that power back to the manager, so he can build the team that he wants, that he sees fit. And I'd be excited if he went and bought a Jaden Sancho instead of a Wilfred Zahar now. Um, I don't know, one of the young Burnley boys uh, or Sheffield United boys coming up, a Lundstrom, for example, something just a bit, 
a bit different, something that's going to be effective. We know that the big budgets aren't going to be there. And so what better than to have a manager who is known for blooding youth so, or, or developing youth, such as Sterling, apparently. Um, and so, so I think he has to look at it in a different manner that, you know, he has managed these big egos, but he needs to look at his strength and that is player development. And he has, he has an academy that's certainly at its full potential. I mean, it's Arsenal football club, for God's sake, but they'll, they'll have um, diamonds in the rough there. And he needs to use that whole network now of, of legendary players who've been there, seen that and won things for the Arsenal. Uh, and they need to build together. Um, again, it goes back to that DNA point. So I think to answer your question, again, a little bit more succinctly, they, Arteta will be given time if he makes the right decisions, if he sets out a clear strategy. That's where Emery fell down, was that we didn't know whether he was going youth, experienced, a mixture of both, attacking football, counter-attacking football, or anything in between. Arteta, from what I expect, I want to see us go back to our free-flowing, passing style of play and going with a dynamic youth team. And if that doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen after this year, because this is this is a dud year, in my opinion, um, th- th- then that's when the pressure will, will come on to him. be interesting to see how it develops. I have to say, I've been very... Um... You know, you can you contrast it to what we did when we sacked Pochettino. We immediately had Mourinho come in, and it's been quite amusing seeing this drag on from a Spurs perspective and seeing Arsenal kind of flail around a bit to decide who they're going to go for, who they want, and ultimately deciding on Arteta. But I suppose there have to be some serious doubts there because for whatever reason they didn't they chose Emery over him if reports are to be believed last year. And obviously there is that experience point and he's not been a manager before. And I think he's inheriting, as you mentioned, a squad that maybe isn't in the the highest spirit. So I think it's going to be a huge challenge for him. I think it's a high risk decision by Arsenal. But if he's everything that people say he is and he is given that time, then potentially it will be high reward. Who knows? Exactly, exactly. And sometimes you need to take a chance in football. You know, really, you're taking a chance. You took a chance on Jose Mourinho. Everyone thought he was finished, despite being, you know, having an amazing track record wherever he went. Everyone thought he'd he'd burned all his bridges. Um, And he seems to be doing well so far at Spurs. And it it, it upsets me. It upsets me so much to see how you're, you know, you're probably, if you beat Chelsea on Saturday, you're going into the top four. And it was, we were ahead of you. So we had that chance if we had got the manager in when we knew it wasn't working. So they should be ashamed of themselves for, for, for the pace of this, deci- this decision, for sure. But I wanted to ask about Jose because I kind of, I didn't watch the game, but I was hearing on the radio a lot of criticism around the, the, the style of play from Spurs against Wolves the other day and the kind of aggression at targeting Adama Traore and getting different players to get yellow cards. Um, and it, it it feels like a Jose tactic, some, something a little bit different, something a little bit sinister behind the scenes. And I just I just wonder whether this bubbling, there's a lot of niceties going on at the moment with the ball boys and the community and, and you know, the, the players and the fans. He's been there before and done that. Is there the fear that something's bubbling underneath and that the bubble could pop before he wins what he would consider an inevitable trophy for Spurs? I think undoubtedly with Jose, I mean, with Jose Mourinho, you know what you're getting. You know that based on his his career thus far, you get initial success, 
and then things fall apart at the end. And I have no doubt that he will follow a similar trajectory at Tottenham, at least I hope, certainly, the initial success part. So far, as you said, you know, when he came in, we were 14th in the league, 12 points off the top four. Now we're fifth. And if we beat Chelsea on Sunday, which is going to be such a huge game for so many reasons now, then we will be in the top four at Christmas, which is a phenomenal turnaround. And I think certainly when you look at the performances and the results, he's had a huge impact. And the Wolves game, I think, was the most impressive win of his time at the club so far, even more so than that that 5-0 win against Burnley with the incredible Chung and Sun goal. Because, because of things such as the, the tactical fouling of Traore and the, the late winner, and it was the exact sort of match that we would have lost under Pochettino, not a couple of seasons ago under Pochettino, because actually I think... Pochettino did make the squad a little bit nastier, a little bit stronger, capable of getting last-minute winners. But the way we were going under Pochettino at the start of this season, not winning any away games, we certainly wouldn't have won that game against Wolves. And I think you can see little tweaks, little changes Mourinho's made that has given the players a bit more confidence, a bit more freedom going forward to this new front four we've got now with, with Delhi, Lucas, Son and Kane. A little bit more consistency in terms of the, the team selections. And I think there's still a lot of the same underlying problems that were there when Pochettino was. And I think Jose will want to get rid of a lot of players and, and have a new look side next next season. And if that doesn't happen over the summer, then maybe that's when things will start to fall apart. But I'm just trying to live in the moment with Jose, because as you say, you, you know that inevitably things will go wrong. And so far, so good. A couple of defeats away at United and Bayern Munich, but the Bayern Munich game was a bit of a write-off anyway. The only real disappointing performance and result has been against Man United but other than that it's been win-win-win a complete turnaround in the table and I feel a lot more confident now going into matches than than I did before obviously we've got um, RB Leipzig in the Champions League which I think will be a tougher game than, than people are, are saying I don't think it's the easy tie that people think it is but with Jose at the helm particularly after he's had a couple more, more months to work on us I feel a lot more confident going into those type of knockout games than I used to. And he's ahead of schedule. You know, I, I didn't think we'd be knocking on the door of the top four until right towards the end of the season. So to be here already, it's given us as fans confidence. It must have given the players confidence. And hopefully it will give the board confidence as well to back him either in January or in the summer to mould this team into his image so that next season or even this season, if we're lucky, we can really challenge and win that trophy that everyone's been going on about. There are 12 days of Christmas and there's also 12 days until the January transfer window opens. And you mentioned January and being back just before. What would you as a fan like to see happen? Who do you, what position do you feel you need now in order to make that push for the top four? And do you believe that players, toxic players, the squad need to go in January in order for you um, to clear the decks and have that bit of momentum to push you forward into the rest of the season? I definitely, at this moment in time, any player who, who doesn't want to be there, I'd be happy to see go. Obviously, we know the contract situation with Ericsson, with Tongan, with Alderweireld. I wouldn't be surprised if Tongan and Alderweireld stayed till the end of the season and potentially one or both of them end up renewing their contracts because I think Jose is, is a big fan of both players and would want to keep at least one of those around. He likes those experienced players in his defence. He's not going to entirely give his back four to youth. But I think we need a def another defensive midfielder because 
obviously Eric Dyer's come back into the team now under Jose Mourinho, but he's not quite the player he used to be due to all the injuries and illnesses that he's had. And other than him, we don't really have a player who can play in that position in the same way. When Yama's been ruined by injury, hopefully we can we can sell him in January. Suzoko can play in that position, but Mourinho's said publicly he doesn't think that's his best position. Winks isn't really a, 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 the kind of defensive holding midfielder, so I think we could do with another player in that position as, as a matter of urgency. And then obviously I think the fullbacks could be improved. Serge Aurier, I think Mourinho's done a very clever thing, essentially turning him into a, a winger. But I think another right back and another left back, particularly with the Ben Davies injury and with the Danny Rose situation, both of those positions are areas where we definitely need to reinforce ourselves, if not in January, then over the summer. But I'm not expecting a lot of business in January, to be honest with you. And I think it probably, maybe we'll see one of those players whose contract, maybe Ericsson finally leaves. Maybe we, we can sell him in January, but I wouldn't expect to see any big um, incomings. I think it'll probably be in the summer where the big changes will come. And, and for the time being, Jay Zay will just have to, to make do with what he's got. And in the summer we'll be entering 2020 and that will be the entering the new decade of uh, of footballing her- heritage and history at Tottenham Hotspur. And um, I wanted to ask you as part of our mini game today, um, as we reflect back on a few things about your bests in the last decade. Um, so first, probably a, probably an easy, well, maybe not an easy one for you. I think for me, it's, it's kind of foot front of mind. I know who, um, who's your player of the decade? Who played for you from 2010 to 2020? Who do you think deserves that accolade to Spurs? I think player the, the, the name that comes to mind instantly is Gareth Bale. Yeah. Those performances in the Champions League against Inter Milan, all of those incredible goals and last-minute winners, he was just an absolute joy to watch a match winner world-class the affection the fans still have for him uh, if he were to come back uh, it probably never happened but yeah Gareth Bale for sure I mean there's there's a lot of you know you can look at Harry Kane as well there's a lot of other players but Gareth Bale is the real the real superstar that really stands out now you have a few of these to uh, choose from and I think I know which one you're going for um but what would be your the best game or the best moment in the last 10 years for you as a fan? I think it's got to be the Ajax game, the Champions League semi-final, three goals in the second half, that last gasp, Lucas Moura goal. I've, I've never had a moment like that in football. It beat everything else, just an explosion of joy. And it, we all know what happened in the final, but it doesn't take away from how incredible that game and that moment was. Yeah. And then also, um, you have more than me to to answer for, but uh, who's been your favourite manager of the past decade? Because you've had a few. <laughs> I think it probably has to be, without a doubt, Tim Sherwood. No, um, <laughs> it's got to be Pochettino. Jose Mourinho, I'm, I'm, I hope, in, in the 2020s will lead us into a glorious new era, but it's got to be the man who took us above Arsenal in the league for the first time in my lifetime took us to a Champions League final and took us to our highest Premier League finishes. So no trophies, but still got to be Pochettino. And what about your hopes for the next decade? What would you like to see happen? Well, it's interesting because this decade, I think, has been the first since 
the war, so since the 40s, basically, where we haven't won a trophy. The 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties, we won a trophy in all of those decades. And even though this decade has seen us move to a new stadium and get to our first ever Champions League final and obviously have that sustained success in the league under Pochettino and now Mourinho in, it hasn't brought any silverware. And it's been obviously the big criticism from people outside of the club, a fair criticism. And so I hope in the next decade that we do see more silverware at Tottenham, FA Cups, Carabao Cups, whatever it's called in the 2020s, if it still exists in the 2020s, Champions Leagues, Premier Leagues. I want to see some silverware being lifted at the new stadium. You've got to do a Liverpool. Exactly. And I wonder, how about you? All of those, all the same, who would be your your player, your moment, your your of the decade, your hopes for the future. What 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 would you say from an Arsenal point of view? I've been doing a lot of toing and froing on on the on the player actually, and it's. I'm going to give a, a short list of three, and then I'll choose one from them. Um, in terms of one of the best players I've ever seen play live, was Robin van Persie. Thought he was absolutely fantastic. Fabregas as well. Adding four actually, but. But Van Persie at his peak was a joy to watch. Um, Alexis Sanchez, again, up there with the players that I would actually pay the money just to watch them with the ball on the pitch. I mean, he was phenomenal in the passion he had for the club, his pace, his power, his finishing, his crossing. He just, he had it all. He, You knew as he got the ball, you, you felt excited and it's something that, I hadn't really felt at Arsenal because we didn't have those stars, but he was a real star. Um, and then the third and final one was Aaron Ramsey. He, I was very critical of him throughout his time at Arsenal, but I think retrospectively now you can see what he brought to the club. He grew throughout those 10 years, throughout the nine years he was with us. He, Not even nine years. When did he even join us? Might have been longer. Maybe it's longer than nine years. Um, he grew with us and, 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 you know, he was responsible really for that amazing season where we broke our trophy drought. Um, so I think he, he has a special place in my heart. Um, so it's really hard between those three because they've all, as a player of a decade, they've all brought something so different to Arsenal Football Club. Um, I think purely out of pure ability and being part of our best team in the last 10 years. I'm going to go with Alexis Sanchez. Um, Ramsey comes a close second. Van Persie, unfortunately, falls based on his um, Judas-like motives um, to Man United. Uh, In terms of game and moment, um, the year before um, wasn't Alexis's contribution this time, but it was the Aaron Ramsey winner against Hull. So that whole final, um, it was just so special. Even going two down, you think, here we go again. It's never going to happen. The curse of the hoodwinked has uh, continued and continued. And it was just such, it was relief. It was it was a monkey on our back. And it's a shame we haven't capitalised on that because the three FA Cups and Community Shield were amazing. I mean, it was so special, but you thought that would be the trigger for us to go on to greatness. And that should have been the time we all say that Wenger should have left. And then we could have got Guardiola or Klopp and, Klopp and who knows where we would be now. Um, things happen for a reason, but that was that was my moment for sure. And in terms of manager, well, I've had almost four now. 
after being a couple of years ago, only won my lifetime. Um, we have to give it to Arsenal Wenger, don't we? Unai Emery was a disaster. Lindbergh wasn't, wasn't that great. Arteta hasn't quite started yet. Um, so I think I would say Arsenal Wenger for sure. And then in terms of the hopes of the next decade, it's it's funny. It's different to yours, really. I, I've seen the trophies and they're amazing. And I think the trophies will come. But in the next 10 years, I think we need to rebuild what Arsenal is. We need that clear vision and that outline of where we're going as a club. Um, we need to stop becoming a meme, essentially, that Arsenal do this. It needs to be, as in, in a, in a negative in a negative way. We need to do things the right way. And if it means we lose games, and if it means we lose players, fine. But we can't have this these embarrassments of of the John Henrys calling us out for forty million and one pound bids. Um, the embarrassments of our manager not being able to communicate to the to the media or his players. Um, these embarrassing results happening regularly um, for players going on social media before an important game and causing a diplomatic incident. Um, and uh, so, so, you know, that that's, that's what I hope that we get our prestige back. They say, let's get our Arsenal back. And, and I hope that Arteta's appointment, even though it's a strange time for it to happen and the next six months, again, are almost a write-off in terms of the, the the history of Arsenal Football Club. Um, you know, I, I hope we just get back to the Arsenal way, the Arsenal that, that I fell in love with because I've, you know, I, I've I've struggled with it the last, the last little while. I thought it came back with Emery at the beginning when I saw something different. Um, I think it was just uh, the honeymoon period for me. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, 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 again, it's exciting but scary because it could go either way. Um, but, you know, I want to be able to sit here speaking to you on the cannon and cockerel and uh, in 10 years and saying, what a decade, I think. Well, I, I hope that, uh, speaking from my perspective, I hope it's another decade of decline at Arsenal uh, and a, another decade on the rise for Tottenham. But looking at the more immediate future, I believe, is it Everton at Goodison Park, your next game? Everton at Goodison Park, Mikel's old club versus his new club. And uh, potentially Arteta versus Ancelotti, whether either or both of them will actually be in the dugout yet, we don't know. But Ancelotti, potentially a manager you could have got versus the manager you've got. How do you see that Everton game going? Uh, it could go either way. You know, they. It's funny because they we haven't been doing that well and they've been doing well. Um so it might just disrupt that balance of power. Them suddenly getting in, feeling that like if they're not sure who's in charge, Arsenal feeling a, a bit more excitement again. So we, if we, if Arsenal were to get something, it'd be an unbelievable, um, unbelievable result in my opinion. But I'm, I'm expecting a stalemate because I think everyone's going to be a little bit cagey. It's going to, it might be chaotic. Um, I can see a nil-nil or three-all. Like I just don't see it. I don't see it being. Um, a very streamlined, uh, easy game, if you like. Um, but, you know, we're, we're 10th on 22 points, four behind Spurs and seven behind Chelsea and seven ahead of relegation. So we're we're, we're right in the midst of it. And we've just got to be looking game by game now. Um, I keep saying it's a write-off, but, you know, you've got that Europa League last 32 now. We're all in the FA Cup from the start. So let's let's try for something. But I'd be I'd be happy with just seeing good performances 
and that's I, I don't expect to see it on on uh, uh, during the Everton game, but I certainly expect to see it from from a couple of weeks after. Start to see tiny changes. Um, the mean we're on the way up. And how about Spurs? Who who is Spurs playing this weekend? It is Chelsea. It's Chelsea, of course, of course. At Stamford Bridge? No, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So there you go. It's it's a massive opportunity for Spurs to to out of out of the wilderness to get that back in your own hands. Um, it's a lot of pressure. A Jose team can handle that pressure. Can a Spurs team handle that pressure? Well, that is, I suppose, the big question of the Mourinho era. What what wins out? Jose's Josiness or Spurs' Spursiness? I'm hoping that he's been there long enough now that the players are starting to become Mourinho players and that we can get the big result in the big match. But as a, a Spurs fan, I can't help but feel a bit pessimistic and think that because of Chelsea's recent bad run of form that they're going to raise their game for this particularly as they know that their their spot in the champions league would be under threat for the for the time being at least but if we win then i think it is the big watershed moment where Mourinho becomes fully embraced by the spurs fans because you still don't really hear people singing his name there still seems to be a little bit of reluctance to fully embrace him obviously because of his past at clubs like chelsea but also because of things that you mentioned but if we get that result, I would be. I think it could be a, a huge turning point, not just in terms of our position in the league, but Mourinho's relationship with the fans and with the club. And it'd be very interesting to see what type of game it is because we've had some quite, quite tense, tasty games with Chelsea over the past few seasons. And it'll be interesting to see the, the interaction between him and Lampard on the touchline and how the players approach it, what the, the atmosphere is like in the stadium. I think it's going to be an absolutely fascinating, nerve-wracking game, but one that has the potential to maybe even define our season, which sounds silly to say because we're only halfway through. And given how we've transformed our season in the past month, it shows you how quickly things can change. But you feel like if it's a big result either way, it could set the tone for the top four race to follow. But I, I'm very much looking forward to it, though I think on the day I'm going to be very, very nervous heading there. But yeah, if we come away with a win, that would be a, a lovely early Christmas present. And I must say, I, I kind of, in a way, I want Spurs to win because that narrows the gap for Chelsea if, if we somehow have a bit of a resurgence and are able to crawl back. Um, but, you know, my default is that I hope Spurs lose by a record-breaking number of goals. <laughs> Well, we will see what happens on Sunday. And I suppose, potentially, this could be the last Cannon and Cockerel of 2019. A pretty big year for both of our clubs. Sacking managers, new stadiums, European finals. And I'm looking forward to discussing everything that happens in 2020 with you. May the fun continue, sir. May the fun continue.